It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vedas, his father, they're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it wrong. Hello, hello, hello. This is Wade. And this is Siggy, and you are watching it wrong. At least you're listening to it, the podcast where we dissect movies and discuss them to death until they are dead. And we have a colossal episode for you today because we're going to stomp our way through 2016's Shin Godzilla, the third reboot in the iconic kaiju monster franchise by Japan's Toho Studios. And if things are sounding different in your ears, that's because I have the privilege of being here at You Watched It Wrong Studios and... What? Uh, Studio City, California. So we are crowded around one microphone. Being, Just imagine us being way closer than we should be. Yeah, we're like, you know, knees to balls. That's how close, <laughs> that's how close we're sitting uh, we're around sitting, this microphone right now. We're sitting soup to nuts. That's what we're doing. So we happen to be able to be in the same city for a change. So we decided, well, why not give the listening viewers... You wrong heads out there. The chance to listen to, uh, to have us, you know, be in the same room. We watched a movie. We, we, we didn't think about what we were going to watch until seconds before hitting play. I was just scrolling through it. I said, well, I have Shin Godzilla. I've been to see that. And he said, oh, let's watch that one. So we did. And I just answered how we watched it. And I didn't even know that the, the, this movie was a thing. I didn't know that we are now in the third reboot at least Toho Studios' third reboot of the uh, Godzilla franchise. Uh, I didn't even know it had a second reboot. I knew there was a first reboot, but uh, so I've you know I uh, I watched Godzilla movies as a kid. Um, all my Godzilla experience is the uh, what is known as the Showa, probably not saying that right, um, uh, series. Uh, the old goofy, grumpy. Slapstick Godzilla, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, in the rubber suit and wires. and But I've never seen any of the ones. I knew there were more after that, and they were supposed to get more badass or whatever, but I never, I never, I never seen those. Um, saw that stupid Matthew Broderick one. Let's not bring that one up again. Nope. Um, and I didn't see the American one from a few years ago. So um, Wade said, oh, this, here's this new one that's supposed to be good, Japanese version. So let's, I mean, let's do it. So I took the plunge. So that's me. That's my um, that's my franchise familiarity. How about yours, Wade? I've always really liked Godzilla's aesthetic much more than the other, like King Kong, for some reason. I always gravitated more to this one, and um, but I can't really tell you why. I don't know, but I love that I had that big Godzilla toy that was like three feet tall that had the little plastic fire tongue that came out. I really dug it, but I really didn't know why other than just big you know, rubber suits and smashing buildings and things like that. Most of my Godzilla watching has actually been through Mystery Science Theater later. Hmm. I know I've seen a lot of them before I knew of Mystery Science Theater, but I I was so young I wasn't really clocking which ones they were. Although I did love, I think Godzilla on Monster Island is probably, or what do they refer to as Kill All Monsters? Um, Because King... You're you're talking to me like um, I'm I'm going to chime in as a Godzilla expert. (laughs) I'm I'm not able to provide that. I loved Rodan. We had a Rodan toy made by the same thing. It's huge. And, uh, um, uh, but my favorite was, uh, uh, I never could pronounce his name correct, but it's the three-headed winged... King Ghidorah. There you go. But I, I forget what I... I called him King Gigon or something like that. I never could, could pronounce it. Uh, but he was always my favorite. Uh, or she, because I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in so well, long. He's a king, so... Yeah, usually. Not queen... Usually that's a title bestowed upon a male or male equivalent. <laughs> but I did see the, the 2014, 14, thank you, 2014 version as well, which we can, we can chat about a little bit later if you like. May I chime in here that sure. uh, my sister and I growing up did enjoy the Godzilla movies on Saturday mornings, but mm-hmm. we were bigger Gamera fans. Oh, really? So I hope that's not um, pissing off any Godzilla fans out there. 
But I was more of a gamera guy as a kid. I do. He like, was friend to all children. That is true. But I've always I gamera is still second behind as far as as far as lizard kaiju's go. Turtles aren't lizards. I'm sorry. Science reptile. Yes. Kaiju go. I gotta go Godzilla, man. Can't help it. Now, Godzilla, one reason we chose to do Shin Godzilla is because um, Godzilla's come up a lot on this podcast lately. Um, I It may have only come up once because I may have cut out the other times I've retold the story. <laughs> because it, you told it nearly identically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben Hur, Marvel, and then the Intonation game. Um, but famously, I guess if I left it in, then famously... Uh, we saw the original Gojira. Is he going to tell it another time? No, I'm just. Well, just. Well, I'm not going to tell the whole thing. Uh, just going to say we we saw it together, and it was a, it was one of the more moving uh, cinematic experiences we had. Done. Done. Done with it. That's the end of the story. So you've seen the original one, and you liked it. Good. Yes. There you go. 2016 Shin Godzilla has actually uh, a little bit post viewing research shows that it's won many awards in Japan. Take it home there, um, I guess their Academy Award equivalent for Best Picture and Best Director and um, whatnot. Their equivalent apparently is called the Japan Academy Prize, mm-hmm. uh, which has many different prizes because it's different categories. <laughs> they, it won Best Picture of the Year, Director of the Year, was nominated for Actor, Supporting Actress, Music, but also won Cinematography, Art Direction, Lighting Direction, Sound Recording, Editing. And then won numerous other prizes at other festivals, including Best Film and Screenplay and the like. Um, big deal, this movie. In Japan. In I, Japan. I never heard of it here. But then there's all sorts of things I never hear of, so I don't know how indicative that is. Did, did you, mm-hmm. Do you think it made any waves, um, except it, for uh, among hardcore Godzilla fans? And, and critics. Okay. And critics found it very uh, appreciated a great deal, but otherwise didn't really make much of a splash. Over here. Well, what did we make of it? Oh. I mean, that's what the f- people want to hear, right? Of course. That's why we're doing this. Um, okay, I have a first question. Okay. What is a Shin Godzilla? And of all of Godzilla's body parts, does that seem like the most interesting one to make a movie about? Have you seen those gams? I would say absolutely. Why else would you make a, a movie about anything else? Or I, well, calves Godzilla, calf Godzilla, that might be more plantar fasciitis Godzilla. <laughs> uh, okay, so we didn't look it up until afterwards, but Shin um, apparently has multiple possible meanings, um, but among them are true, or new, or God, right, or sacred, or something like that. So anyway. Trying to, it was uh, unlike previous reboots um, from Toho, which all the reboots like picked up from the 1954 original mm-hmm. and ignored all the ones in between. This one is not a sequel to the 1954. Right. This is a new. This starts completely from the beginning. Be- yeah, they're wiping the slate clean. So and, I think, and taking place in present day. I think that's what the Shin is uh, signifying there primarily for me. Right. Now, as we all know, the original bore out of um, fallout and destruction from Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This one, I got a distinct Fukushima vibe from this. Apparently that was very intentional. Right. I, um, I wasn't thinking of that specifically because um, that was a few years ago, and I don't know, that wasn't like the first thing that was coming to mind. Um, but that was so. That was present. Uh, you're talking. Yeah. You're referring to the um, the nuclear reactor reactor having right. the problem because it was flooded during a tsunami. Right. So you've got an unexplained explosion in the beginning, and then suddenly this cre- this creature basically plows through the shoreline, the city on the shore, which is kind of like the tsunami, and leaving a trail of radiation in its wake, which much like the meltdown. It seems like a lot of this movie seems to be bored not only of that event, but more so the handling of that event. A lot of bureaucracy, lots of um, criticism of the government response. Uh, and this, you spend a lot of time just with rooms full of government official, officials. Yeah, that's the majority. Trying of the to movie. negotiate uh, bureaucracy, which, you know, could seem like a budget technique. 
but not a little less expensive to stage those scenes right? than the, the skyscrapers getting knocked over. But it's also less, I think, yes, it certainly was helped in the budget, but also, I think, more to the point of the movie um, because the, this two-hour-long movie is just chock-full of, of basically people trying to figure out not only the bureaucracy, but how does their established bureaucracy allow them to do anything? And uh, or even communicate with each other, and so it's hi- it's highly critical of that uh, system and the response uh, to it. So it's it's in a good way. Well, it's I mean, not that, but it's, it's it's a lot of the movies about the created manufactured drama manufactured by the people in the situation of covering their own ass while right. while trying to react to this disaster. That's something that needs to, to be reacted to immediately, and yeah, they're not focused on. On the immediate reaction, the the established hierarchy of the government, but also how they are unwilling to stand up to remote uh, forces like the like the United States and other countries that are coming in and saying, "Well, we need to deal with this this way," and and even if it's counter to uh, the good of the Japanese people, they they are the people at the highest parts are unwilling to stand up for themselves. So it's highly critical of that as well. So. Um how much of that, the Japanese uh, government's subordinate position to the United States, um, the, the, the way they're reacting, the differences between the, what they know and the messages that they're communicating to their citizens, how much of all that uh, reminded you of the, the host? I, I didn't think about it until just before you started talking, because the host, the host is my favorite movie. And like that is is the the host is 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 bore out of that anger towards that very interference, and so yeah, just thinking about it, like oh yeah, that's yeah, it's it it's it's very reminiscent of that. Well, let's talk about the monster. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like you said, well, the first uh, like the first event that happens is there's a a tunnel under Tokyo Bay, cars mm-hmm. driving in it, and the ceiling collapses in. And what pours in? What looks like blood. 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 Blah, blah. Like not just water. Yeah. And, you know, some little fish flopping around, but a bunch of blood, which um, doesn't get commented on for a while. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. You know, um, we see the people in the tunnel. We see, like, emergency responders evacuating the tunnel. We see... Um, the, the bureaucrats, like, getting reports about what was happening and trying to figure out what the cause might have been. Um, they don't have very little information. But the fact that it was blood pouring in is right. not a topic of conversation at this point. Which, right. And they um, have a big red pool of blood where the explosion happened in the bay, and they don't discuss that either. They're just they're trying to say, well, this is a volcanic thing probably, uh, right? And we never find out what, what happens Right, there. no, we don't. Right. Um, and like they're variously referring to it as a steam plume, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, they spot a big giant long tail flopping out of the water, and then yeah. this thing uh, starts walking up the river. With with and, and and I thought it was interesting it that the evolution in this beast does have this evolution. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, does kind of neatly justify. Why Godzilla has the design that he has, because well, talk about what you mean by the evolution. Well, well right, because he start he comes uh, out of the of the ocean, uh, beige and got sacky gills that's flacking blood everywhere. But he has no front arms. He's just got these powerful legs that are pushing him through the buildings, through the streets, and a big long floppy neck. And, and then, he kind of looks like a big turkey. He does. He looks like a big turkey. He's got, big, he's got like a little bald head, big bulging eyes. His, the, uh, eye, the eyes are completely dead, too. They seem to be that very reminiscent of a fish, to just be like on no character, no, no, and, and, and purposely ridiculous almost. Well, uh, yeah, so I mean. So you thought it was you thought it was like meant to be funny? I don't know. What do you mean? When, how, well, when you how first do you mean see purposely it, ridiculous. Well, it, it. What was the purpose? To I think it. I was just thinking about the same. I I think it means to 
start you off erasing any sort of personification that you would place on Godzilla. Like at the beginning, I was even curious if this was even Godzilla. I was thinking, is this the creature that Godzilla is going to come out and fight? I thought that too, or, right. or, or eat or hatch from or something, because right. it, it doesn't much resemble Godzilla at this point, except for the uh, spikes Spike. on its back right, and the long tail. Exactly. And I started to wonder, because of its fish-like eyes, it's just these... I mean, they have a lot of detail put in everything else and movement and everything, and then these eyes just look like little buttons that are stuck on. And I wonder if that's to kind of distance us from personifying him with any sort of attitudes or just go, this is just a creature. So I think that's, I think that's part of it, because um, at the movie very consciously doesn't give Godzilla a personality through the whole thing. Right. Because he's treated much more like a natural disaster. Yeah. Um, and, like, just a force of nature, something implacable. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting how, through most of the movie, he just moves in a straight line. Yeah. And there's no explanation or even an attempt at an explanation of why he's moving where he's moving. Yeah, usually they say, oh, he's attracted to some power source and he wants to get up there. But no, this one doesn't do that. He he comes on shore. There's never explanation for why he comes on shore. Right. Um, Except it's his first time on land. I I have my own hypothesis about this. Okay. Um, But he comes on land. He doesn't have forearms, like you say. He's just pushing himself with his back legs. For a while, you don't even see the head because he's just this mound of spikes and a tail... That's moving up the bay and then moving up the river, and he's like pushing, like a tsunami, like, like a, a tsunami. tsunami. Well, he's literally pushing a surge of water um, ahead of him as he crawls and pushing all these boats, and these boats are like flying yeah. into the street and everything, and he's flooding the streets, and then he ends up going up the street, and then his um, head comes out, and he was like, "Will run into a skyscraper and won't even go around it." No, he just he just like his neck on top flops of. his head on top and just is like going in a straight line, and, and it's, he's not, it's, he's never, he's never trying to do anything, right? You right. know, he's just he just keeps moving, and later he will evolve into a form, if you haven't guessed, um, that resembles more like the Godzilla we know. But he continues to just walk in a straight line with this impassive face, right? He doesn't get mad at things. Right. Nothing ever is like, oh, sure. I'm, yeah. He never takes issue with anything or, 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 yeah, or any reaction to anything, really. And there's only, um, and like, he overheats and then he returns to the bay to cool right. off. And that's, but otherwise, it's not clear at all what's driving him. Mm-hmm. But there's some funny business where when he's, um, when he's in the, um, River still, they're debating whether they're trying to get like some biologists. They want biological experts. They always want experts, the bureaucrats, um, the government officials. Like, we need to get some biological experts in here. And so they get three in, and the three are like, Well, I can't say what it is because I haven't studied it. I would need to, (laughs) I would need to examine the creature. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to go and do a press conference because it would, it would ruin my reputation if I said something that was wrong. And the <laughs> government's are like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, they, so they just go on TV and say, we believe the thing won't come out of the river. Right. <laughs> and then, then immediately, because oh, it has? It only has, it's only going to have fins because it's in the water and the fins won't support its weight. So they just like, they just like Don't declare that and feet. immediately, of course, it immediately comes out of the river um, because it has back feet. And I think, I think the reason it comes ashore is, uh, so it's just, it, it, it's constantly evolving. It's right. um, it's something that you know it, it's absorbed so much radioactive material. It's uh, it's created a, like a heat source inside of it that sometimes erupts out. <laughs> right, right, and, and it doesn't even look like it's trying to erupt anything. When when they drop those bombs into its back and it absorbs those bombs, and then suddenly it takes its next evolutionary step to be able to projectile shoot this 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 heat out or heat lasers it doesn't even look like it wants to do that right it it's, looks like it's just happening it's like it's um it's just spontaneously evolving defenses against right things that it encounters right so it like accidentally involves back legs 
yeah. just because it doesn't stop. And so now it's just walking along the, the seafloor, mm-hmm. and then it just keeps walking until it hits land. Um, and then it and comes ashore. Needs, it needs what it's running into. It needs to be as upright like the buildings. It needs to be right. it kind of flops onto the building, and it's like oh, it's stuck. And so then they're like, okay, well, it needs to, and it needs to develop forearms to kind of push itself up. So then it yeah. crawl, and then when it keeps running into buildings, and it then it stands up for the first time, and then just stands still in this just stands, weird, yeah. well, uh, weird way, looking even more like a turkey. Right. <laughs> this giant chicken. Um, and then it realizes it needs to get a, a different protective armor on it if it's going to be standing. I mean, its its skin changes dramatically between its uh, first and second appearance. So that's pretty cool. It was fun watching it, the evolution yeah. scenes, the mutation scenes. But again, we've spent so much time talking about the smallest part of this movie. Most of it is... Boardroom shenanigans of um, of I, I'm curious to see how the ja- how this actually appeared in Japanese non subtitled versions of this movie, where what it was doing was we had the subtitles of the dialogue at the bottom of the movie, and then they had put at the top of the movie everyone's name and rank whenever you saw them, and it, there were so many people that they would put those all up there, and then at one point, about I guess an hour and a half into the movie. It comes across to our lead character, who we've been following this whole time, and it and and a lot of government officials are dead, and it puts his his name and his title up as he's talking, and he's got like eighteen titles now, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a really funny moment because it was like, okay, yeah, this is this guy, and it's 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 he's he's now doing everything, <laughs> right? So if we call the um, the dialogue. Titles at the bottom of the screen, the subtitles. I'm going to call those the super titles. The super titles. Um, the upper thirds. <laughs> and uh, and it does that for places, like the shots in Tokyo will tell you what neighborhood you're in or what bridge you're looking at. Um, when the uh, defense forces finally get mobilized, like shots of helicopters and tanks will tell you what class of um, it, model of jet you're looking it's at. It's almost like the movie has a, has that same bureaucratic love for detail and expertise and and letting you know giving you all the information at once. Because there's but, there's one part where they're they're all covered in text on screen, and but they didn't translate that because there was no place to put it. It was just all Japanese tech right. covering them completely. Well, there, there was some <laughs> shots of social media, as you could see how people were reacting to things, and uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't really give you right. You just right. kind of knew. Oh, it's people reacting, and you get you can guess how people are reacting to Godzilla being in their city. I guess. Yeah. I and so when they finally when they finally form their task force, which our hero uh, is able to finally form a task force where he's bringing. The oddballs, the the nonconformists, the people who, uh, people from all these different convergent uh, fields that wouldn't necessarily thought thought to be related, and he's finally being able to pull them all together. And uh, he goes, and the and his second in command throws out the reports to everyone. He goes, here, here's what we know. We need you guys to study and build a bigger case. And they look at it, and we can't read their reports because it's Japanese. But they look at it, and, they, and you could, but you can tell they've got like two things. It's Probably this this tall and and it's located here and they're like, is this it? <laughs> they're all looking. At, they're all looking. At, what? This is all you've got? And he's like, yeah, that's all we got. Now you need to fill it out. I guess this uh, our hero's name is Rando Yaguchi, right. which Yaguchi. I don't remember. Um, the characters don't have much personality. Right. There's not much dimension to these characters. You're mostly just seeing them at work. Mm-hmm. They never get to leave work because they're dealing with this problem. Um, Rando is the honest one. That's kind of his right. his one uh, characteristic. He seems I, to be focused on this to ending the crisis more than anything else. Yeah, right. Whereas um, everyone else seems to be hampered by all, which which is interesting because if this was an American movie, I would be dubious of its John Wayne um, mentality of like. Oh, John Wayne meant. Did you, did you see much swagger in this movie? No, no, no. But I mean, like, it's this thing of like, look, all this teamwork and experts and everything is stupid. We just need someone to go in and 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 without anybody telling him what to do, just go in and 
Take care of the problem. No, I, right. I, I, no, I, uh, I don't think that's how it was happening at all. No, it, it no. gets a team of experts and says we're just going to forget the protocol. Every we're going to not have any hierarchy here. Just whoever has a good idea, we just need to do that idea. What I'm saying is, if this were an American movie, okay, that's what I was uh, like. I'm sure it would be, it would be pushed that way. Whereas you know. They're, they're, the movie seems to be incredibly critical of the stagnation of bureaucracy rather than the use of everything that bureaucratic systems have at their disposal to use. Right. So, Like, like when they're about to attack Godzilla, finally, for the right. first time, they have, you see the chain of like the eight people who have to get permission from <laughs> the next person up the command <laughs> to actually pull the trigger... Even right. though they've already been told to start the attack, they still have to get permission through eight people. Right. And then, like, before they can... They never even actually pull the trigger. Right, and they never pull the trigger. So it's real. I mean, I mean... And that was their one shot before... <laughs> that was their last shot at googly-eyed Godzilla, <laughs> which is what I think the googly-eyes were doing. Like, this is the harmless version because he actually hasn't attacked anything yet. He right. has walked into the wrong place. This is before he can breathe fire. <laughs> Right and shoot and, or and shoot twelve lasers out of as more than that oh, he yeah. like shoots like twenty lasers out of his back uh, yeah when he finally goes full nuclear that was a pretty awesome scene. yeah that was uh, and, and pretty horrifying when you see how far that thing yeah there was one shot that made us both go oh my god yeah it's like holy shit he didn't yeah. he didn't just he takes out like the skyline right yeah <laughs> at one point yeah. So what's I, I find the tone of this movie to be very interesting because it's at once um, elaborately bureaucratic, it's and ha, and mundane office work, it's ridiculous and absurd, it's really funny and also genuinely troubling and te- and, and scary at times. It kind of tends to do all of that fairly well. There it made me think of um, it made me think of another thing actually. Um, I interviewed a, a professor of law at UCLA uh, named John D. Michaels, and he's written a book, and I really want to read this book now. And it's called Constitutional Coup, Privatita- Privatization's Threat. Constitutional Coup, Privatization's Threat to American Rep. Republic. Oh, wow. Well, and basically... It's cut off on the screen. Yeah, it is. Sorry. He said... Uh, uh, when asked if who's the hero of his book, he would say, well, the hero, I think, of my book is 20th century administrative law. And he's basically, it sounds really boring and unsexy, but the thing is, is that all these things, administrative law things have been put into place, are all the things that are protecting you. The, the bureaucracy is actually something that is uh, enhancing your life. And everyone thinks of it as just a problem, so... It's just too much red tape and all, but all those things are there to keep you safe, to keep you well, to keep. You, uh, well, that's what yeah. the autocracy wants you to think. <laughs> um, and then all the, that's what the deep state the, uh, says to protect themselves. And then the move to go to privatization and then to deregulate everything is actually taking all those protections away from you. And that's kind of one of the things he, he talks about in the book. And um, I was thinking about that with this movie, how this movie does really succeed. There's no real privatization angle in this movie, but it succeeds in a really interesting way when it's critical of a highly entrenched bureaucratic system, but also without basically trying to say, well, you know, burn it all to the ground and just go on your your old good old gusto and bloodthirst and all that stuff to solve your problems. No, it actually, no, we're going to, this is a system that can work and let's use it. And I thought that was a really, uh, it just needs someone who's willing to take action when action needs to be taken, <laughs> you know? So uh, instead of hemming and hawing about everything, you know, when, when it's clear, it's clear that a monster destroying the city needs to be stopped. I mean, it, uh, I mean part of it is needing to look like you have picked the one solution when you obviously don't know yet, right? <laughs> like, that's part of it is, is, part of it's indecision, but part of it's also, I need to have a press conference and I need to give an answer to the people, even though they obviously don't know, right? right? But we can't, we have um, to calm but, everyone but down. They, but they can't look like they don't know. Right. So it, it's that kind of yeah. dishonesty and cowardice, um, too, 
And, you know, it's something I've learned in my work life is don't trust anybody who is afraid to tell you what they don't know. Right. Because you and 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 or just to make it more personal, don't be afraid to say what you don't know, because you if you can say with confidence what it is you don't understand, you look smarter. Right. right. Than someone who's trying to bullshit their way through and act like they there's nothing that they don't know. Everyone you knows end up look it. like an idiot. Right. Right. And that's we see that over and over again in this movie. Yeah. And a stark contrast. I read a I read a book by um, oh I'm forgetting her name. It's a she was uh, I think a chief of staff for um, Obama at one point. And when she came in with this job, she immediately earned the respect of all the generals. When she came in and she said, okay, here's what I don't know. Tell me your, how, tell me how you've seen this. And all the generals had instant respect for her because they said, look, she came in and she, t- she said, you know this stuff. I know you know this stuff, so may- help me to understand it. And then they go, okay, this person, one, respects our standing and our experience and is willing to listen to us. And they, she instantly earned everybody's, instead of coming in and telling everybody, all right, everybody, I'm going to tell you how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and disregarding. So, like, this movie stands in stark contrast to that uh, uh, experience. I think it's, it's, it's very telling. A wise leader mm-hmm. um, recognizes the expertise of the people under them as a resource mm-hmm. and tries to harness that resource for the greatest uh, benefit. Right. Just like you would any other resource. If not you're a manager, you're, you're a resource manager. You're a manager of resources. Yeah, you're not. And humans are a human resource. That's right. why we have yeah, departments we, uh, <laughs> to keep that going. Instead of managing up, where you're just basically managing the perceptions of everybody who are, looking, who are above you. Managing yeah. up can be a good thing. Having to do it too much is a bad thing. Right. But, um, well, I mean, and totally ignoring the people you're leading rather than, yeah. you know. All right, this isn't uh, <laughs> we're not in the self-help uh, podcast category here. <laughs> so monsters, monsters. Yeah, um, there's no other. There's no other um, second monster in this. It doesn't purely ba- bureaucracy v. Right? Godzilla. No, Godzilla's not battling anything because that would mean Godzilla had a desire. <laughs> right. 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 And uh, Godzilla has no desire. He just uh, until you drop a bomb in his back, then he he's not even like necessarily attacking the planes. No, it's just he's defending himself, right? right? And he doesn't. Uh, he, he starts breathing fire out of his mouth after they drop a bomb. Well, they they hit him with all. Japan hits him with everything they got. Right, and, and nothing doing. And he's just walking in a straight line towards Tokyo. Um. This is his second approach to the city. And so they, and this is a pretty cool sequence. Um, this would have been the awesome toy tanks uh, back in the uh, Showa days. But um, first they, the, they send in the helicopters. Helicopters hit them with their smallest caliber gun first. <laughs> and they're all aiming for the head. Um, and then they, that does nothing. He doesn't, Godzilla doesn't even notice. They hit him with the, the, the next caliber gun. He doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. He just keeps walking forward. Then all the tanks all fire at his legs at the same time. Then they have artillery firing at his head at the same time. Right. Um, and Godzilla is not even, like, getting pissed off. No. You know, this is not like the Godzilla we know where, like, he's not even... You know, right. he's just... Uh, the only time he, he just, does that is when he's kind of halfway evolving, really. It's really like you're, sh- you're shooting a hurricane. Like, yeah. you know, it, it just has no effect whatsoever on him. And so then they call in, have to call in help from the U.S. And so we get some more scenes of bureaucracy there and mm-hmm. phone calls that have to be made. And, and so some B-2 bombers come in and they drop a, a, I forget what they call it, but it's basically like a bunker buster mm-hmm. um, into his back. And uh, it penetrates. And um, you don't, I don't know if you see it explode or not, but it's like he starts glowing because that does, it's, yeah. it's ruptured his tummy. Um, and, uh, uh, he gets, starts getting purple. They purpled mm. him up <laughs> and, uh, that purple starts coming out of his mouth and he points his, he just kind of lashes his head at the sky and lucky shot, lucky yeah, shot lucky from, shot. 
Well, no, we find out later. Actually, we find out later that he has something like radar. Oh, that's uh, right. Because they're sending a drone to look at him, and he, like, shoots the drone. Although he doesn't shoot people who approach. But no, he doesn't. flying machines, he, he starts doing. He evolves that ability. Anyway, so he's got this radar. He uh, nails the one B-2 bomber with a, a mouth ray. Uh, so they hit him with some more bombs or yeah. something. And uh, so then that's when the um, the 20 <laughs> purple rays come out of all of his back spikes. Earth, wind, and fire. And uh, uh, light show comes out. And he's like writhing. And so it's, yeah, it's like, um, you know. Right. It's like the Pink Floyd uh, <laughs> <Right>. laser show <laughs> at the astronomer. Right. <laughs> at the and astronomers. Then- um, and he, he takes out all the planes. And then he has a little... A little, uh, a little hissy fit, uh, and this is when he like starts breathing fire and uh, shoots his laser and like knocks down like twenty skyscrapers in one shot. Like what? Yeah, the that fuck? was pretty. Amazing. Now I did start to get the only time I kind of went was when he's firing his laser out of his mouth and then his tail kind of comes up and a little laser comes out of that tail. Oh yeah, I was like, what? What? His tail. Well, let's talk about his tail. Yeah, I re- that's what because his tail is like longer than he is. It's definitely the largest Godzilla there's ever been, right? By the end of the movie, he's kind of the largest scale. Well, that's what I've read. Oh, okay. I right. didn't look at it and say, whoa, that's definitely bigger than past Godzillas I've seen. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't know. But his tail is huge, and it uh, is suspended in this weird way, mm-hmm. which um, seems to me like a conscious throwback to when it was sus- suspended by a wire. Right. You know, the rubber suit days. They still keep that kind of physics of the tail, right. which looks very unnatural and kind of unnerving. And he doesn't really, like, they kind of save, they keep that in their pocket for yeah for future movies, which, well, we'll, the, the, well I'll save yeah. that. Because there's something they never focus on. I'll save on. the next thing I was going to say for the end of the episode. Right, right. Cause they're, but, cause they, but he doesn't, like, swipe with that tail much. No. You know, but he does start shooting things from it. There um, is something about... It never really does, but there seems to be something up with the end of that tail. Yeah. Yeah. What is, uh, never, what is that tail about? But they, they never focus on it, and they don't make a mystery out of it. It's just weird that it's not being addressed, you know? In fact, his, his second time coming to land, his first time walking upright, there's this great scene. It's a, um, a, a street-level view. You're with the people mm. in this the seaside Neighborhood, and as he walks over and he's stepping on houses, but his tail like, whoosh, oh, like yeah. swerves right above the the um, rooftops, and the people are just like standing in the street watching this enormous tail. This is bigger than him, and it swerves right over their heads. And then I think my favorite shot of the whole movie, uh, as he's walking like trudging very slowly, but I think my favorite shot of the whole movie is just a shot of uh, roof tiles, and as he takes a step, the the yeah, roof tiles just like all shake loose and slide down like a foot, right? Like Ben Hur. Uh, yeah, like the t- <laughs> uh, except it's a whole roof of them, but then none of them break or fall off the building. It's like, yeah. okay, this is bad, but it hasn't even gotten bad yet. Right. That's what that's what that shot is saying, yeah, right? right. Um, I loved that. Yeah, that was really good. That right. sticks in my mind. And he's glowing red from inside. He's, he looks like yeah. a volcano ready to erupt. He like he's covered with ah uh, ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And talk about his forearms here at this. At this yeah, because at this point he's he's they, they're kind of taking shape, but they're still not functional. They're like little uh, reaper, like like skeleton hands. They like, look like like death. Yeah, and yeah. they're like clenched, like yeah. he's um, like he's palsied or something. Like you know, he never mm. you never see him move those arms at all because no. they serve no function. Anymore now that he's standing upright, so they're like vestigial arms, but they're like clenched and um, tightened, yeah. like it hurts. Yeah, like and it hurts. that was another thing that made me think of the, the host, host yeah. is that he feels like you you talked about this um, on the podcast before. Is that it was part of the creature design that he should look like he is in pain, constant pain because he should not be. He's right. not supposed to. He's not supposed to be that way, and. Um, and part of what's interesting about this Godzilla is because he like it has a, his, he is a nuclear reactor. He has a nuclear reactor inside of him, and that's the source of his energy and why he has to return to the water and cool down every once in a while. 
but it also means he doesn't have, doesn't have to eat. Right. Right? He's got all the calories he'll ever need. <laughs> right? He's got excess <laughs> calories. He, does, he can't burn it fast enough. So he, that's why he doesn't need anything. Right. He just, like, moves in a straight line because he's... He's not searching for food. He's not yeah. searching for shelter. But he, but he also seems like he's in kind of constant anguish or, like, is kind of deadened. Um, he's got these dead... When his eyes stop being googly, there's just kind of a dead look in his eyes. And he's barely reacting to things that are happening to him, like, yeah. you know, tanks, a whole <laughs> battalion of tanks shooting him and helicopters firing into his face. <laughs> But yeah, just the fact that he's, yeah, it's like his elbows are. Is what? What is that pose? I'm trying to come up with the. It's uh, it's what my physical therapist said I had to do, and uh, I was having shoulder trouble. I was supposed to do that with my arms and then flex outwards and try to make my shoulder blades touch together. Oh right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like yeah, a stretch right I was there, supposed see, to do. He's got his fingers out like that, like this. Oh, there's that shot. There's a yeah. shot. There was that great moment where. Um, uh, a winking moment when uh, the U.S. liaison comes over and gives the United States report to the Japanese government that this is called uh, Godzilla. And what do they? They how do they bring back in Gojira? They said uh, they make it something about how it's uh, it, the name comes from English, and so it therefore doesn't make any sense or something right, like that. Right. But we call it, we'll call it Gojira, and then they go, "Oh, the Americans always have to name it for this to be their name." <laughs> it was really good. So let's talk about. Um, so we talked about our our band of rebels within the mm-hmm. within the bureaucracy who say we're not gonna we're not gonna follow the hierarchy. You just everybody come up with a good idea and let's try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And what is that idea, Wade? Well, what is their plan to defeat Godzilla? Because. What the U.S. wants to do, what the United Nations wants to do, the United Nations become the bad guy in this right. movie, is they want to drop a nuke because, um, oh, because they find a scale. This part mm. of the movie was, like, really rushed. This might be part where I kind of fell asleep. They find one sure. of his back <laughs> scales, one of his spikes, oh. like, in, uh, it fell off of him. Like during the bunker bust thing? I guess. Maybe? And so somehow they conclude from that that that's how he's going to reproduce, mm. is that he uh, he's going to drop these scales and they're each going to become their own smaller Godzilla. And because they're smaller, he, he could grow wings and fly because he's oh, constantly right, yeah. evolving. This and came so very late. In the there movie might be Godzillas. It's like it's like four sentences. Yeah. In like one minute of screen time is like. Oh, we're sure that he's going to reproduce and they're going to fly all over the world. Like I, right. I, I didn't get that part. Like I felt like that was a part of the story they didn't bother to tell mm-hmm. um, or show at all. Um, but therefore, that motivates the United, United Nations saying, "Well, sorry, Japan, we're dropping a nuke on him." Right. We don't care if he's in the middle of Tokyo. And we don't care. You know, sorry that this is kind of. With your past history, not the most ideal thing to do. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we you, can, you can see why they wanted that thematically in the script, right. but they, um, I felt like they took a, a shortcut to get there. Right. So, I mean... Oh, we should mention at this point when he um, shoots his laser wad and <laughs> takes out the B2s and a bunch of skyscrapers, he, he, he burns himself out and, uh, and he just like goes cold. And is standing mm. like a giant statue in the middle of uh, the destruction in Tokyo, um, but he's still starting to glow inside. Right. And so they calculate how many days they have before he's going to build up enough energy to start moving, moving again. again. Yeah. So it's like they haven't defeated him, but he's just standing there. Yeah. And they, and they don't say it, but I guess they're too scared to just try to like hack him to pieces. Right. While he's standing there, like they don't like well, they don't say it, but I guess they're like, well, if you drop more bombs on him, he'll, that'll provide more energy to him and wake right. him up. Um, but why don't they like I don't I don't know get um, some Elon Musk boring equipment and see if they can drill through his chest or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find his heart. Give him energy. You know, they yeah. don't. They never discuss that possibility. Right, but you know they are trying to keep him from going to Tokyo, and then. You know, the oh, he's in Tokyo. Oh, yeah, he point. gets to Tokyo, right? 
So he gets to Tokyo, and then they're like, okay, we're going to drop a bomb on him, but our team of of, uh, outsiders have determined what they can do is... Including uh, my favorite pink towel academic. Oh, the guy with the... (laughs) Was it the pink towel? Yeah. Yeah. He just shows up with the pink towel draped around his neck. But he was one of the three guys for the next two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) No, he wasn't. I don't think so. Oh, really? Well, he didn't have a... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he had the same beige jacket, and, and you know, we didn't see him for very long. The, the guy three at the beginning, we didn't see for very long at all. Um, well, because they were useless. They were useless. They just they have determined what they're going to do is basically freeze him by turning his cooling system to on, on himself, right? Well, it's going to shut his cooling system down. So it's a... Because he... <laughs> He should overheat. Once he's standing up, we don't see him shedding blood like we did at the tunnel when the tunnel fills with blood. And then when he comes on shore, as Wade mentioned, like blood is spraying out of these these neck gills. Um, But once he starts standing upright, we don't see the blood anymore. anymore. Um, That's not a thing. Um, But the scientists figure out from clues from... Some past scholar who abandoned a boat and... That, the boat at the beginning, yeah. The boat, the, there's a subplot that doesn't go anywhere and isn't... It's a mystery that's not In fairness, at all. we might have been too tired. We're tired and old and... Mm. <laughs> I did... This is one of those few movies I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I fell asleep on a couple of times. Not because the movie's bad, but because I'm tired and old. So I will, I will say when Godzilla goes to sleep, the movie does a little bit too. I didn't fall asleep, but I I, I thought um, the energy really uh, was sagging for the second half of the movie or the last third of it. Um, and this part of the investigation, it really didn't work for me. So there's this mystery of a guy who like figured out the secret of Godzilla 60 years ago and uh, left a mysterious message that said, uh, what was it, do what you will with this? Yeah. Or something... Um, uh, maybe it doesn't translate well from the Japanese to the English. Um, he leaves them like a bunch of calculations on paper that, um, is like, I called it early on. I'm like, it's like contact. You gotta, yeah. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> fold it or something. And so, so finally they figure out you gotta fold it like origami and it gives the secret um. of, uh, his blood molecule and how he's able to evolve. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Somehow they figure out that when by shedding the blood, that's how he cools himself down because he's a nuclear reactor. Um, and uh, if they can give hit him with the dose him with blood coagulant and stop the flow of his blood, then he'll heat up so much that he'll have to go back into the sea and then they won't see him again. Like he won't be able to survive outside of the ocean. Right. I think that's the plan. I think, yeah. I don't know. So then you got to watch them, like, work the phones to line up the chemicals and <laughs> to get, get the, the tanks pr- producing. And um, you got to line up all those corporations who can get that much coagulant made and, yeah, and to and that like, specifications. <laughs> it's a lot of logistics. It's going to be a mix of private and public companies or government. You know, I, like when we were watching the procedurals, but it was part of a satire then it was entertaining on that level. Right, but it's, when true. it's just them figuring out how to get 200 kiloliters of this coagulant, <laughs> it was it was not a compelling procedural. Can I say that? Um, yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, you can make the argument that true heroism are things that aren't technically sexy or exciting. But yes, and that's why we don't put them in movies. <laughs> yes, that's a good. There's good point. a there's a monster I could be watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead, I'm watching this. So it's a race against the clock because uh, the United Nations has a deadline. When they think that Godzilla's going to wake up, they're going to drop the nuke, they're going to destroy Japan. Um, the, the United Nations has pledged, the nations of the world have pledged that they will help to rebuild Japan. And I think this is a specific cultural reference because they uh, said it's, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to opt for scrap and rebuild uh, scrap Tokyo and rebuild it, but right. if they've dropped nukes on it, no one's going to be able to inhabit it for right <laughs> decades. So I, they didn't really talk about that. Um, but I think it's like a thematic rhyme to something from Japan's history that I don't. I'm ignorant of, so I don't know. It's hard to comment on that. But finally, they get the their act together, and now they're going to execute their plan. They have like less than a day before 
nuke time, right? Right. So what's their plan? Were you how much of this were you awake for? I was a little in and out on this. Okay. I just knew I think they, they had tanker trucks with arms. Okay, well, let me just, okay, we'll get there. there. Okay. okay. All right. So uh so they drive him or lure him. I guess he starts waking up. Did they wake him up? I guess I don't remember how this part starts. He wakes up mm-hmm. conveniently at just the right time. He they lure him into what they're calling the kill zone by shooting him with a bunch of stuff and getting him to walk where they want. I don't know. Now this is the cool part. They they need to get him down, <laughs> so they uh, knock skyscrapers down on top of him. Oh right, yeah. Right. <laughs> this part's cool. Um, and now this is the first time, and it doesn't even look. Godzilla doesn't even look that pissed off. He gets no. knocked down, you know. The skyscrapers are taller than him. They knock him down. And then they drive their 20 tanker trucks with crane arms with hoses attached. And they all drive right up to his mouth. <laughs> and they all give him his drinky straws. <laughs> and he takes his baba. <laughs> while he's not even, like, really struggling to free himself from the skyscraper. Right? That's on top of it. And also, he's never ingested anything that we know of. So I have three problems with this. (laughs) One is, I thought we established he doesn't eat. (laughs) I guess they didn't say that, but it felt clear to me that he wouldn't have to, and we haven't seen him try to. Um, But why would he have to eat? He has all the energy he'll ever need. So what is, but why does he have all those teeth so right now? He's got teeth. They're vestigial. I mean, he, he evolved from something that had teeth, and they're just vestigial teeth. You right. know, they don't even. No, they even. Um, no, they even say like his teeth don't even line up because he doesn't right. need to eat. Right. Right. No, they yeah. do say they that do explicitly say that. at some point. Like that's why his teeth are all goofy. It's because he has no need to chew anymore. But he still will swallow if you pump the stuff down his throat. Like, they could have got the coagulant into, into some other way. Right. Why does it have to go down his throat? It's blood coagulant. It's right. not stomach coagulant. Yeah. You know, they could put it into any wound. Um, right. they could but do, they couldn't get a wound. They that could the uh, poison they, him like the Red Viper did against the mountain in, uh, in their duel in season four, which you didn't make oh, it to. Which I didn't make because, it to, right. uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Anyway, so that's one problem. Two... Godzilla is supposed to evolve to survive, but he's not even struggling to free himself from this skyscraper. He just kind of lies down and takes a little rest <laughs> until he kind of um, decides to breathe his mouth ray and blow up a bunch of the tankers. But here's my biggest problem with it. These trucks can just drive all right up to his mouth. They just knocked two skyscrapers <laughs> down. But the rubble, like, isn't conveniently in, like, in a 100-yard halo around the original side of the skyscraper. That fell down. (laughs) That would have been funny. Oh, fuck, we can't get there. (laughs) I can't be the only one who remembers from 9-11 that when you knock down a couple of skyscrapers, like, you can't just drive up to that spot. Good point. Right? That's a like, great point. I was too that, tired to think about that. That that shit kind of spreads out. <laughs> but they that's that's never a problem and it's never you know, they don't need a plan to, to deal with that. Right. Um and and, then, and they don't helicarrier these I mean not helicopter they don't helicopter these things in. They just drive right up. And it's it looks silly. Yeah, it's not like it's cool it's to watch cool. this, you know, t- straw trucks drive up. And I'll stick their straws in this thing's mouth. Yeah. I really wish they had come up with something else. Yeah, well, they figured they couldn't pierce the skin because the, you know, the otherwise they could have done this. They could shoot it to death. But they, isn't the whole way this works is that he has... They figured this out because he had, like, gills that he shed blood through. Right. Why couldn't you pump the, the coagulant into there? Into, you have like, access to his bloodstream. Right. In ways other than through his stomach. Yeah. Because we've seen it. We've seen it earlier in the film. It's how they figured out that this plan would work. Why aren't they using that route? And It's a, it's a, it's a good point. You know? And, and, but instead they're giving him these drinky straws and it just looks silly. <laughs> it does look silly. And it's not dramatic. Like there's no... Right. They get him down and he lies nice and still for them. And like it feels like there's no risk for them and... 
until until he like wakes up and he 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 shoots his mouth beam once, and then they knock him down again. Which now they knock him down the second time. How by shooting his legs, which we've already established doesn't work. Yeah, I mean he's tired. He's he he went to sleep for two weeks and he's hasn't fully powered up. But still, like we're seeing them do things that just seem like they should not work. Yeah, they're know? already established. And it's wasn't an option before. Right, and it's it's one of the things where at the climax of the movie. The the thing that was supposed to make the climax like daunting in foresight because of it's it's not daunting anymore because <laughs> yeah. the the threat that we've already established isn't present anymore, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, the the heroes don't have to overcome the threat that we've already established. Right. Right. Which is a frustrating. Yeah. So it's it's instead of rising action, it's falling action. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's become Godzilla's less of a threat than we've seen him in the last since you know he's not the badass that t- took out the entire Tokyo skyline when they take him right. out. He's already in a weakened state, and then they're in there delivering their coupe de grace. He's just lying down passively <laughs> under a skyscraper. And then they take out his legs in a way that we've already seen doesn't yeah. work. So it's just, I was very disappointed by that. Yeah, dramatically from a narrative structure that's quite. Uh, uh, but is there a therm- is there a thematic benefit to this? Because if you, I mean, is there anything we can glean from that? Because they created themselves a problem that was impossible. You got this impervious. Constantly evolution, evolving, towering creature that seemed to have no wants, nothing they could anticipate and then attract it. They couldn't interact with it. They couldn't do anything with it. It would never be passive. I mean, it would never be, it would never lie down for them. So they got to get it to lie down. <laughs> but is there, is, there, is there a thematic thing there that maybe we're not giving it the full shrift, uh, short shrift about, that we're giving it short shrift about? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying there is one. I just don't, I just don't know. Because, yeah. Know. I don't know. I like the idea that they go for a, a technocratic... I mean, it's, not a, it's, it's still a military solution. They're still mm-hmm. using heavy firepower to achieve their ends. They, just, they, knock two, they use munitions to knock down two skyscrapers on top of them. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because they, they use science. They, need they believe in science, yeah. but there's never like an issue where other people are like, we don't believe in science. Ah. Your science isn't going to work. Firepower! Yeah, I don't know. Which is science. I would like to be able to defend it because I, there were parts of this movie I really enjoyed. Um, I really like the Godzilla design. I like the, um, the, the, the ending. Um, so they, they deliver like yeah. two or three rounds of this coagulant um, through his binky boo. <laughs> And then he, they think they've got him, but then he rears up one last time. They go, oh, no, it didn't work. But then he freezes and turns all cold gray. And, um, and now it's just like a Godzilla statue. Yeah. Um, that- standing in Tokyo. And, and we get a long denouement where it's like, oh, we're going to be cleaning this stuff up for a long time. And I guess we have to get used to this guy standing here because we can't move him. Right. I, I think that's, that's a very interesting uh, uh, Way to end this with especially it reminded me of the the Babadook in a way. If I blow that, I haven't seen it. I won't blow that then. But the fact the 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 fact that this thing is, even though it's been defeated, it's it's still gonna always be here. It's just dormant. It's just right? dormant. It's scary. Which yeah. is with a lot of nuclear things, that's always going to. It's always this presence, this presence, this threat that yeah. that is not going away. Well, and then it's even worse because the yeah. last shot of the movie, which is a pretty awesome shot, yeah, it's um, uh, camera moving along uh, in extreme close-up on Godzilla, which could still be five hundred yards away because <laughs> Godzilla we're talking about. But then we go up his tail, and it looks like at first it looks like there's like dead bodies of humans like rotting stuck to his tail, but then you see. No, they're like they have Godzilla spikes on their back, and they're growing out of his tail. Yeah, like he was getting ready to reproduce. He was starting to reproduce like right then, like the end of like, his tail, which has been all weird and like glowy and right. behaving weird. 
Like, that's what he's spawning the little Godzillas out of, is the end of his tail. And they're all and frozen there with, in that... And they like look a, anguished uh, right. and, and in pain, too. Almost like a gothic uh, painting of the demons coming out of, uh, yeah. of uh, hell or something. And then it's just like, jump, and, and just cuts, the, off, the cuts off, and uh, now the roll credits. So it's a spooky final image, and it's like, oh, did they stop that just in time, or have those been growing out since they froze him? Right. <laughs> you know? Or do, had they been growing out any time before? Or And you're right. Yeah. They did freeze him, but I thought the blood coagulant was what was cooling him down, and therefore if they slowed that down, he loses cooling. I, I see- thought they said that they, that they thought that would send him back into the bay. Yeah, there's a... I was too... I can't comment on this because I was asleep through a lot of this, but it, the ever um, the ever accurate IMDb <laughs> did say that did seem to have a trouble with this. It's okay. a, this one. Uh, it's they calling it a plow. The drug the government used to kill Godzilla, which I, I wouldn't say kill, uh, is described as something that would quote disable the internal cooling system. Yeah. After the drug is used in the end, Godzilla freezes. If the drug was supposed to disable his internal cooling system, it would have overheated him, not frozen him. But it's a bit more complex than that. In fact, in the movie, the drug actually does manage to disable Godzilla's cooling system. But in the state of overheating, this triggers a scram shutdown, the safety control rod's activation mechanism, as a kind of involuntary overreaction, thus freezing him in the procedure. By freezing himself temporarily, Godzilla is able to survive this potentially critical trauma. Ah, so what they're saying, yeah, they're, they're saying that, that the, it was supposed to overheat him, he was supposed to run away, but instead it, the counteraction to the overheating overreacted, like an allergy almost. So he over-evolved. He over-evolved and But that him. means he's going to evolve his way out of it. It's possible that he could still be Can we? Dormant. Can we credit uh, whoever wrote this? Does it say somewhere? Um, well, we can click that. It's I interesting. Click it. Oh, I'm not signed in. Um, so, well, whoever uh, wrote that, thanks. Uh, okay, for helping me. Uh, I was afraid I remembered that wrong. So, yeah, thank but, you. Uh, no, yeah, my reaction is correct then. Good. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but then, so it seems like they're set up for a, a sequel. One that I would be interested in watching. Yeah. Because um, I think this this incarnation of Godzilla is very interesting. Um, and you, I think you could do a lot thematically with it. Uh, Godzilla is just like, as a storm, you know. Right. Um, but uh, I've read that they're not planning to do a sequel to this movie. Yeah. That they're going to do another reboot. Right. <laughs> immediately. They cannot... They could not make it one until 2020, after 2020, apparently, for some rights issues. But they're going to redo another one. That's too bad. I mean, this one won. This was hailed as their best picture of Japan, and then they're not even going to. Now, granted, I think if this movie, if this storyline ends with its last frame, that's great. Because that's the feeling that you should be left with rather than, oh, it's sequel bait. It's, It's like... There's that feeling that there's always going to be that, that there, that dormant, that question. But if you're determined to make more Godzilla movies anyway, yeah, this is a great way to continue. Then why not carry on with this this guy? Yeah, despite not producing a direct sequel to Shin Godzilla, Toho revealed plans to produce a trilogy of anime Godzilla films, Which, beginning with well, two of those are already out apparently. Oh yeah, I guess so. Um, but they also will. Attempt to follow a shared universe model. So they're going to launch. They're, they're going to try to launch another shared universe yeah. of of kaiju monster movies, I guess. And alongside, I guess uh, uh, Kong Skull Island is going to is moving towards a Kong versus Godzilla. Well, that's the uh, yeah the monster verse. That's the American yeah, American monster licensed uh, Godzilla, which will right. not overlap with the Toho exactly. Produced. Exactly. Well, I think that... Uh, any final thoughts on Shin Godzilla? No, that was a pretty good... Um, we, we have more succinct conversations about these movies when um, when we're in the same room. Maybe I should fly <laughs> out here for every episode of I, You Watched It Wrong. I think our budget will, will allow that. Well, if anyone wants <laughs> to uh, award us a grant. 
If you want to l- cut the length of these episodes in half, all you got to do is fund my airfare and um, <laughs> or mine. Get me release time from work. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I did enjoy this movie despite its third act flaws, and and I really appreciated this type of take on it. Yeah, if you tend to think of Godzilla as the guy in the rubber suit and um, it being like a kind of a kitty distraction, and you want a version that's um, a little more serious while still having some satirical fun, um, still having some witty, witty moments, some funny parts. There's a there's some parts to me laugh. There's some good laugh lines in there. Yeah, um, it's not Nolanized for sure. No, <laughs> and there's not. Any character depth, but there are some nice character moments. Yeah. Um, um, it was it was a good take. It's yeah, a, not it's a, a bad take. way to spend uh, two hours on a Saturday night. Yeah, nice try. More like this, I say. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, our in this concludes our in person. You watched it wrong. Hopefully, not the last. I don't, had no reason to even think that that might be the case. I don't know why you're bringing it up. I'm just. I, uh, I just say, uh, basically, that was my way of saying, I'd like to do it again. This is an awkward way to end a date. <laughs> I'd like to do it again. Uh, well, hug. <laughs> Here's your hug. And um, you be, you take care. We'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll text. <laughs> you don't want to get in the trunk of my car? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that happy note. <laughs> okay. If you would like to contact us and let us know how your date was with us, give us an email at youwatchedwrong at happypanic.net. We're also on Twitter at youwatchedwrong with the letter U, like Prince would write it. We're on Facebook. Facebook page is called You Watched It Wrong. Surprise, surprise. And if you stepped on the boxes marked one, two, three, four, and five, you hopscotched it wrong. Thank you.